Good morning, everyone. New year to you. I hope it's a good one as well and a happy one, but it's definitely a new year uh, that's upon us. I want us to have a look at this idea that I've got down there on your little service sheet calling going back to the future. So all of, most, most of you have seen the movie with Mr. Fox, who ends up in the past and then he needs to go back to the future where he's come from uh, and all the interesting things uh, that he's got to learn and things that changes in the light of that. So this idea uh, that we need to live in the future is funny because we need to learn to go back to the future because we keep on wanting to live in the present and into what we would call the immediate future. To live but going back into God's future, that's the interesting thing that we have to try and develop. But actually, you don't have to bring it up. It's already been given to you. But you don't always realize it's been given to you. And that's why we're turning to Peter this morning, just to kind of scramble our brains. So a little bit of hard work, 1st of January, to just actually remember the things that we already know, but it's good for us to kick it around a little bit in our heads. So let's pray, and then I will um, try and explain this idea a little bit more. Father, we thank you that you are the one that uh, sees us. You know exactly how our last year has been. You have seen us in every mood. You have seen us in every context. You have seen us in every relationship. Uh, You've seen us in every moment. You are utterly and perfectly uh, aware of us. Thank you that you are the one who hears us. You hear our hearts. You hear our groaning, you hear our moaning, you hear our reasoning, you are familiar with every thought that enters our brain, and you know of every wish and of every desire that we have had and that we are having and that we will have. We thank you, therefore, Lord, that you are the one who really, really knows us very well. You are acquainted with every aspect of our being. It is difficult to get our head around that, but we thank you that you know us that well. And Lord, we sometimes wonder, if you do know us that well, why on earth are you not doing something about it? Why do you seem to be so silent? Why are you not responding to our immediate desire and fear and joy? So we thank you, Lord, that you actually Uh, Tell us in your word that you have responded and that you are responding and that you will respond. And we pray, therefore, this morning, as we listen to your word again, uh, that we may indeed hear very clearly uh, that you have actually given us everything we need for life and godliness in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So equip our brains, Lord, our minds, and our souls, and our hearts, and our bodies with your truth. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to focus on verse 13. Verse 13 says, uh, 
Our translation uh, is a little bit uh, uh, vague, uh, but I'm going to read it first and then we'll pick it up. There are three basic concepts in that verse. He said, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, second thought, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So most of you know, I'm not trying to, to, to bash the NIV, but the NIV is a dynamic equivalent translation, which means they are taking chances every now and again because they are translating what they think it means rather than what it's saying. And so what they do is, here is they actually confuse us a little bit uh, with the terms of how they translate it. But really what he's saying is, since your mind is already compacted and girded up, that's actually what he's saying. He's not telling you to do it. It's already done to you if you are a Christian. If you are this morning and you believe in Jesus Christ, then you have been given a new mind and God has supplied your mind with everything necessary for your mind to truly understand life. It's been given to you. It's done. Past tense. It's not something you have to do now. It's something that is done to you in Christ Jesus. And I take it that's part of the difficulty. Christ, literally, is the future that has come back into our past so that we can go back to his future. That's actually what he's saying. Christ has come from the future, because God is eternal, and he's come into our lives, our past, so that when we go back to him, we will be able to live in the future, in the present. Now you're confused. Cool. So, when we did uh, um, uh, Micah, I told you about uh, a man by the name of Zimbardo, Dr. Zimbardo, that studied the psychology of time, you remember? That there are six times, psychologically, six times. There are two past tenses. There's what we would say this year, when I ask you, how was your year? First thought that comes to mind? Shout out anything. 2020. Okay, but I'm asking you about 2022. <laughs> First thought that comes to mind. Dark. Dark. Uh, challenging. Anyone else? Good. Good. All right. So some of you will go back to the past and you will recall the negative past more than the positive past. Some of you may feel you didn't have a positive past. That's possible. But psychologically, that's what we do. Our minds are doing that all the time. We don't always realize it. So when you observe yourself and you use your cell phone for why God has created it, you know, to switch on your, um, the selfie camera uh, and the, the, the recording bit of it, when you switch that on, you can actually see your own expression because your own expressions will tell you where your mind is. Here's the wonderful thing. You can never hide from yourself. Your face and your body will always express what you're thinking. Always does it. You can, obviously, when you're consciously trying to hide it, hide it for a while. But when you're not aware of it, you are going to express it. So here's the interesting thing. Your mind will either go to the past negative or the past positive. Depending on whether you see the glass, I guess, is half empty or you see the glass is half full. That's the tendency. One of those two things. And your mind will recall that. And based on that, you will look into the future. So if your negative past is stronger than your positive past, you will anticipate a future 
that was either more negative or more positive. That's just what happens to us. I mean, that's just psychological basic reality. And then in the moment, you will either say, it's no point in waiting for something good. I will just indulge in every little bit of good that I can get. See, there are six times. Two past, two present, hedonistic self-indulgence, and no, I will wait, and I will work hard, and I will kind of delay gratification. And then there's the future, the future for this life and the future eternal life. And in your mind, those things are always playing off one another. It's fascinating. So if you are prepared to ask people who really know you well to give you a feedback on your face whenever you speak, they will help you to realize where your mind is. Your mind is either on the past, negative, and so you are anticipating a future negative reality, or you will be positive past and you will look positively to the future, and that will affect the way in which you are now going to conduct yourself. That's just the psychological reality. It's a fascinating world. If you want to explore that, it's a very good clip. It's about seven minutes. He talks very fast, faster than me, if you can believe it. And he will help you just to see how this works. And so in the scriptures, you have exactly that same reality because that's how God has made us. God has made us to be human beings that are emotionally connected to our past, our present, and the future. Some people are more orientated to the past. Some people are more orientated to the present. Some people are more orientated to the future. But you can't miss out on those three things. You're always playing them off against one another. And they are affecting the way in which you are conducting yourself and thinking what you expect. And so this passage is very interesting. And actually picks up on that very thing. Uses the past of Christ that has come into this world to change everything about this world for us in the past. And therefore, it secures for us a future. And once you understand that, you will better know how to live in the present. So that's how we often do it without us even recognizing we're doing it. Past determines the future, which determines how I'm going to react in the present. And that's what this little passage actually is all about. That's why I want to say, I want to help you to keep on returning to the future. The future of Christ and you connected to Christ, to that future. When you do that because of his past, you will know how to live in the present better. That's really what this whole thing is about. So I know it's a little bit complicated, maybe new idea to you, but it's a fantastic thing to do. So he's actually telling us, your mind has been informed by Jesus Christ with everything you need to have life. So the wording here is very interesting. It says, with minds that are fully alert. That is, um, uh, it's interesting. It actually says, you have drawn together the loins of your mind. Now, the loins actually are your reproductive organs, okay, in the scriptures. Your ability to give life. The sexual organs are called your loins, all right? But your brain also has loins. <laughs> it also has the ability to create Life, intellectually. He says, in Christ, all your expectations, all your desires for life has actually been condensed, has been brought together, has been cemented, has been given a firm foundation in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus, through the resurrection, we now know that everything that we long for in this life is never going to happen without Christ. Everything in this life And if you are in doubt, please 
do what lots of people do. You get these fantastic things with cameras. So there are people that have, uh, as families, have taken photos of the family gathering every Christmas for 40 years. Have you seen one of those? It's kind of photo album things. If you are in doubt that everything in this life fades, spoils, and perishes, just follow those photo albums. Everything in this life fades, spoils, and perishes. Everything. We cannot live in that reality. We will distract ourselves with other things because it's overwhelming to stay there. So we keep ourselves busy. We do all sorts of fun things. We eat too much, party too much, party not enough, whatever we do. We distract ourselves from the reality that everything in this life fades, spoils, and perishes. But as a Christian, you have been given the one reality that says you can face up to the fact that everything fades, spoils, and perishes because there's one thing that doesn't, one person that doesn't, and that's Jesus Christ. So you no longer have to hope that this year you are not going to grow older. Because you are. And you are going to fade, spoil, and perish. But in Christ... There's resurrection, there's new life, there's eternal life. And the passage keeps on saying that over and over and over again. And we keep on saying, nah, (laughs) no, (laughs) I'm really going to work hard this year and I'm going to get better. So everybody wishes you a happy new year. Let's hope it's a better new year. And from last year to this year, it's been better than the previous year. We are eternally optimists. Without hope, you cannot live. The problem is we create hope in an area that fades, spoils, and perishes. The only place where hope never fades, spoils, and perishes is Jesus Christ. So as a Christian, being given Christ, you've been given everything in order to face every moment of every day with Joy. Here's the funny thing. If you experience you don't have joy, then the chances are very much that you are not at this moment having the awareness that in Christ you've been given everything for life. Your focus is somewhere else. Because he's the only one who doesn't fade, spoil, or perishes. If you have him, that's what you have. And then you can have joy. But, oh, I mean, the reality is we all confess this. We don't. We don't have the capacity almost. Because somewhere in our brain, we just can't accept this reality. It is just so annoying. Isn't it? It's overwhelming. I mean, my year started with a fantastic bang. There was a boof yesterday, a block from my house. We've been without water for 24 hours. I've reported the booth five times. I drove past the booth this morning. The water is still running. They haven't even switched off the water. Any. Millions of liters of water is running down the tube. In this life, everything's 
fades, spoils and perishes. Everything. If my hope is in this life, I am going to have a rough time. And my life will be marked by, let's call it, disappointment. Maybe even complete despair. You see what he's saying here? You have been given in your understanding in Christ Jesus everything to never move or shake. You've been cemented. Life has been given to you in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what you've been given. Past tense. Now we forget that. That's why we're doing sermons and we sing songs to remind ourselves. Ah, that's right. I actually emotionally have connected myself to something in this world that I hoped would be better, but it's not going to be. It is only in Christ Jesus that there's resurrection. The future resurrection has already happened in and with Jesus Christ. God has given us a picture of the reality that it only comes through Jesus Christ. Very, very uh, exclusive, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's what's so hard about this. Really? Only Jesus? Yes, only Jesus. And we know that. Intellectually, you know that. But emotionally, my emotions connect to all sorts of other things. And I'm with you. I, I, I'm battling with you. That's why it's so important for us to keep on coming back and say, you have been given this knowledge in Christ Jesus. This passage is full of joy, exuberant joy. Did you note that? Greatly rejoice. Actually, the word for greatly rejoice in two places is not actually what we would say greatly rejoice. It's, it's literally what we did with the kitty song. And I would love to have seen you. It actually means you are jumping <laughs> with joy. Now, I know some of you can't. All right, you're too old. You've already faded and spoiled and perishes further than the rest. So it's a bit difficult to jump, you know, with joy. That's what he's saying. Knowing that there's something that will never fade, spoil, or perishes should make you jump for joy. So when you hear the word Jesus Christ, what is your reaction to that? Yes. Was it? Yeah, I know. Ah, oh, there he goes again. Have to listen to the sermon on that again. That just means that you have not connected. Your brain is actually the next bit. You are intoxicated. It says, "Be sober in your mind." Whenever you are not aware that only in Jesus Christ there is eternal life, you are actually intoxicated. Your brain has been influenced not to think straight according to reality. That's what he's saying here. Amazing, isn't it? Guilty guilty as charged. My brain gets intoxicated very quickly. (laughs) It only takes a burst pipe. Then my brain is seriously intoxicated. But I tried something new this morning. I showered under a five-liter water bottle. It works. You can actually shower with two and a half liters of water. I did shower. You can even smell if you want to. I did have soap even. <laughs> it's fascinating, isn't it? This passage is telling us, in the beginning of this new year, what are you expecting? What are you hoping for? 
if your mind is connected to reality, the reality that is in Christ Jesus, you can rejoice in Him, even in this life as the passage. You will suffer trials of many kinds. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer trials of many kinds. What are you expecting is going to happen this year? Trials. Decay. Brokenness. Frustration. Pain. Death. Are you expecting anything else? In this life, everything fades, spoils, and perishes. Only in Christ Jesus is there resurrection life. So Peter's saying, your mind has already been confirmed. Your, your, your inner being has already been given everything. You are solidly given. The only way you can have life is in Christ Jesus. You know that. Now keep sober. Do not get off that reality. Because you are going to end up frustrated, overwhelmed. You're going to give up. You're going to hurt people around you. You're going to blame the government. Now just suffering exactly what you're suffering. Decay. Failure. That's what they're doing. No excuse. But that's what's happening. Outside of Christ, it doesn't happen. God said, if you eat of that thing, you will surely die. Death happens at multiple levels in the scriptures. If you want to understand death, the Bible is your book. Ecclesiastes is maybe the best one. Kind of shorter summary of all the different kinds of death you can have. The death of success. When you are successful and everything worked in this short little season in your life, you'll experience death. The joy of getting it done will not last. It will fade. Everything fades, spoils and perishes. It's hard to say that, but it's true. We all really actually know that. I don't have to convince you of that. But funny enough, I do have to, because I have to convince myself that outside of Christ, that's the reality of this world. Only in Christ, actually, is there hope of resurrection. Certain hope. Living hope. A brain that is so attuned to the reality of this world because of Christ that I can actually look at it and keep sober. Because I can, as the next verse, part of this is, put my hope fully on the grace that is now being given to me in Christ Jesus. Our translation makes it future. It's actually present. It says you can now receive, put your hope now on the grace that God gives you now in Christ Jesus. When you think of Christ and you're in him, what, what happens to you? You have hope, joy, resilience, thankfulness, expectation, kindness, love. He's going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that flows out of that. 
The moment I'm not in the grace that is mine in Christ Jesus, my mind is intoxicated to think somehow I'm going to have a better life than what I'm going to have. I'm like somebody who drinks too much. Which is, are you okay this morning? Anybody intoxicated this morning? (laughs) That's exactly what he's saying. It's fascinating, isn't it? We've got to keep on going back to the future that is ours in Christ Jesus and only go back to that future. But we are weak, and so we slip out of it. We get intoxicated, and we slip out of that reality. And we hope that maybe this year, my wife is going to be better than she was last year. And maybe you guys will be better this year than we were last year. And you look at me and you say, ah, you know, I'll return the compliment. Maybe you will be better this year than you were last year. And we keep on looking into one another's eyes with hope. And the scriptures keeps on telling us, the hope is not there, the hope is in Christ. You know that. You've been told that. That's why God has sent Jesus Christ into this world. To conquer what man cannot do for himself. And that's why it's so amazing. It's so hard in the one hand. But on the other hand, it's so much joy when you recognize, ah, I did it again. I was foolish again by my own desires. I've intoxicated myself again. And I've taken my eyes off the grace that God is giving me in Christ Jesus right now. That I may have the joy of the relationship, the certainty of this relationship, the power of this relationship, so that I can be resilient in whatever the world throws at me. We've been singing it the whole moment. Did you pick it up? Every single song that we've been singing this morning is about that. Did you know that? Did you see that? How every single song says, because of the future, I can now live. Because I know the future in Christ. I can now live. Without thinking now, I will get the certainty that I'm looking for. The certainty is only there. Only in Christ Jesus. He spans all of time. Isn't that fascinating? So I don't want to spend too much time trying to work this thing through. But if you just flip over, you'll see a similar thing. Maybe this is where we need to use our imagination a bit. Go to chapter 2 and verse 4. Just the same concept that he's highlighting. As you come to him, present tense, the living stone. Now, maybe just close your eyes. Imagine a stone. Like a big fat one, strong one. Now imagine a living stone. What on earth is that? What does that look like? As you come to the living stone, you become a living stone who is being changed. You want to change? then there you've got to go. You're not going to change by your effort or where you aim at if it's not Jesus Christ. As you come to the living stone, chosen and precious of God, rejected by people, that's how you will change. So that's why we need to remind one another. In Christ Jesus, we have already been given everything for us to think straight about the reality of life. That there is no hope 
outside of Jesus Christ. People will find lots of hopes. They will, and you will, and me, I do it too. But that hope will always disappoint because everything in this life fades, spoils, and perishes. Only Christ doesn't. And that's why we are together saying, hey, let's go to that one place where we know it never fades, spoils, or perishes. It cannot. Death did its worst, and he was resurrected. He did not stay dead. He did not decay because death could not hold him. That's why we have a living hope. That's how good this is. But it does take a little bit of getting used to it because we do tend to think, wow, maybe this year things are going to... And no wonder most of our times we are thoroughly disappointed and overwhelmed because the reality of what we do know is slips out of our brains. And so in PT he says, you have already done this. You have already come to Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe he's Lord, if you believe he died for your sin and rose again, and through that God has given you mercy and life and hope and a relationship, then you know already everything you need to know. But it's difficult to live in that reality, isn't it? My brain wants to keep on slipping out, trying to find somewhere else hope. And that's what, this is good for us. There is hope in Christ Jesus and in him alone. That's real. That's solid. That goes right down and right up. It covers everything that a human heart and mind really needs. Are you curious? about how God is going to shape you this year as you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you curious? Wonder what would happen this year if every time I have a dream, I make that dream very clearly connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think will happen? What do you expect to happen? Do you have an expectation or not? <laughs> Just think about it. Aren't you curious? What would happen if you actually do 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13? Stop getting yourself hopeful in anything else. Don't go down that road. It's not worth it. Let's help one another. Let's go to him. Let's go to the living stone. Let's see what he will do when we come to him and build on him. See if our joy goes to when he says inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you know anything about that? Even though you don't see him now and you have never seen him, you have inexpressible and glorious. Mm. I'm, I'm seeing your faces, eh? Do you have inexpressible and glorious joy. Now I take it. All of us don't. Because somewhere in our minds. We are still clutching out. On the reality. That that's only available in and through Christ Jesus. To the extent. That I'm trying to find hope outside of Christ. To that extent. I will battle. To have inexpressible and glorious joy. God has made us wonderful. I keep on saying it. 
your bodily reactions, your facial expressions is telling you what you are thinking and hoping in. God has made us to bodily express what we think and hope and desire in our brains. Very helpful. So a little bit less easy to fool myself. So spend good enough time in front of the mirror. Have a look. What does your face tell you about where you are? That's helpful, isn't it? That's what he says. When this works, this is what happens. This is how it happens. This is what it looks like. Inexpressible and glorious joy. Hope. Perseverance. And he mentions a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's why we are not going to scold one another when we see one another not being joyful. Maybe we should find new lingo. Eh? They often say a family must find new lingo to communicate with one another. Maybe we should ask, what has intoxicated you? If you look at my face and you see I am not deeply grateful, even though tears are running down my face, will you ask me, Ludwig, what has intoxicated you? Will you? When you see that, you can reflect it back to me and say, you know what, I see you are struggling. You are obviously intoxicated by something. Where is your joy? So the first guy I ever worked with in ministry, Roger Palmer. Some of you remember Dr. Roger Palmer? Six foot five, and he had this funny grin on his face always. And he would walk into our staff meetings every, every single day and he would look at you like this. His little beady eyes and he would, his eyes would like smile and he would say to you, where's your joy? And then next thing he says, go home. Come back when you have joy. Where's your joy? I think it's a brilliant question, isn't it? Not to scold you or to trample you or to make you feel bad. You know everything you need to know to know what it is to have joy inexpressible and glorious. You know it. I don't have to tell you that. I maybe need to help you to get rid of the intoxications, but it's there, isn't it? That's my hope for us as a congregation. Not that we will walk around judging one another. Oh, there he goes. Look at that long face, you know. Brother, sister, what has intoxicated you that you've lost your joy in Jesus Christ? What are you hoping in at this moment? Because that's where the passage goes on. So very quickly, that's what holiness is in, in, in Peter. Holiness in Peter is very funny. It's got very little to do with your big moral issues. It's actually got everything to do with your disposition of joy and thankfulness. That's really hard. How do you know you're holy? You're joyful in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what you need to overcome sin. Fascinating. And that's what he's saying in that next little bit. And we'll pick that up next week a little bit more in detail. So this week I just want to remind you that in Christ Jesus, have a look at him and keep on looking at him until you can see that only in him is there hope for your soul. And only in him is there hope for this country. And only in him is there hope for your family members. And only in him is there hope for your enemies. Only in him. Because everything else 
is going to fade, spoil, and perish. Only in him is there resurrection life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that we can come to your table this morning. Thank you that your table tells us, when you do this, remember me. Oh Lord, how weird is it? How hard is it for us to remember you? We remember so many things. We remember so much pain. We remember so much frivolous joy. We remember so many things that, in one sense, is not remembering you, Nick. And yet it's only in you where we have joy that is eternal and powerful and life-changing. So Lord, help us this morning as we eat this bread and as we drink this juice in the light of the fact that we know that we are declaring Jesus Christ's death until he comes again. That we will remember you. And that we will do it maybe quietly until we really, really, really get it. That Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That Jesus Christ came into this world to give mankind salvation. That Jesus Christ came into this world to connect us to you forever. And that it is only in and through Jesus Christ that we get that. We get the one thing we long for the most is what is eternally good. And that's only you. We've been singing about your goodness. So Lord, we acknowledge that we are alcoholics. We get intoxicated by this life and its promises so easily. We've got so many bad habits of not actually remembering that you've given us everything we need in Christ Jesus. So forgive us this morning as we come to your table and as we confess, Lord, we have forgotten you in this last week time and time and time again. And yet you have not forgotten us. Yet you see us. You see us struggle. You see us intoxicated. You see us confused and perplexed and overwhelmed. You see it. You hear the murmurings in our hearts. You understand why we get there. Because we are putting our hope and our trust and our longing and our desire in the things in this world that fades, spoils and perishes. You know that. And so you have provided for us the magnitude of your grace in Christ Jesus. And we are this morning simply spending time reminding one another of what we actually know. And yet we have not allowed that reality to penetrate into our very beings. And so we confess that to you. Thank you that we can use the cup and have the bread to remember you. So have some tangibility in this world where often these concepts are so up in the air. So Lord, as we taste this bread, this little bit of bread, and we taste this bit of juice, we taste something of the reality of it. May your spirit write the reality of Christ deep into our hearts so that we may indeed rejoice at a level way beyond even what we can imagine. This inexpressible and glorious joy this absolute certainty, again and again. We pray that you may visit us this morning as we share together in the remembrance of Jesus Christ and his death until he comes to bring in everything that he has already given us. And we pray this in your name.
Amen.